0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Hello, good afternoon, good morning, good night, wherever you are uh, in the world.
1: Buenas tardes. This is
0: Jacob Machado.
1: Guten Morgen, guten Tag. Guten Nacht. Boa tarde
0: Buenas tardes, buenos, buenos.
1: Wherever you are in the world, whatever language noches. you speak, this is Father
0: Sean. Jacob Machado, I already said that. <laughs> uh, we're here well, recording um, in the midst of Lent. Come Advent. To Dang it. We should restart this. I'm already... I feel like I want to restart this one now. We're going to restart this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Wait, are we? No. Uh, we make mistakes and we keep them in. We're well, Advent, in the midst of Advent.
1: Advent, Advent is kind of like a mini Lent, isn't it?
0: Advent and Lent. Well, Advent used to be a normal size similar to Lent. Uh, it used to be a full 40 days, correct? I don't know. Um, I believe it was. I was reading something in the uh, the Catholic encyclopedia about advent and i believe it started much longer um and i think it was in the fourth century don't uh don't cite me on that one um we didn't celebrate advent until we had solidified the date of christmas
1: which was up in to the question because the question was when did when was jesus actually born was he born on christmas day or was he born maybe on the 26th yeah there's different thoughts about that
0: um But there is a long tradition of the penitential period awaiting the coming of Christ, uh, which we call Advent, which is now four weeks.
1: Unless Um, Christmas falls on a Monday, then it's... Three we- four <laughs> weeks, four weeks, and wait—how does that work? Anyways, this year it's weeks. This <laughs> year's it's this year it's twenty-eight days. Perfectly, it's
0: four Sundays of Advent. <laughs> that is true.
1: Sorry, I'm totally derailing your podcast uh, right now.
0: No, we're just jumping right in. I've already made the mistakes. Um, I had we had Thanksgiving break uh, last week um, from seminary. You are running the parish on your own right now, correct?
1: Yeah, both the pastor and the other parochial vicar are gone, and so. Parochial vicar, vicarious, I live vicariously through my pastor. Or more so, (laughs) I have the authority of the pastor when the pastor is gone.
0: Um, So you have every excuse to not be prepared. I should be prepared, but am not. I had four hours of class today, and then we had Scholar rehearsal because we were singing Christmas concerts at the end of the week. And uh, we were putting up Christmas decorations immediately after that. And I got home and started getting ready to record. So that's why I think we're in the middle of Lent, not Advent. But uh, it is, in fact, Advent.
1: Thanks um, for taking the topic today, Jacob. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was supposed to take this topic, and then I texted him like an hour ago, and I was like, Jake, you need to take this topic. I am so, so overwhelmed. And then I got a sick call, uh, which is always great, but you never plan for those. So then I had to go to the hospital, which was beautiful. I don't want to make it sound like it was not beautiful at all. Um, But it can be challenging to go at times when you have a plan in your day and then it gets uh, changed by different things that may come up.
0: Got to be flexible.
1: Which I am not physically flexible, but hopefully spiritually and schedule-wise I'm trying to be more flexible.
0: Good, good, good. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: Thanksgiving overall was good. Um, My opening line in my my homily was uh, Thanksgiving is like the perfect – holiday for priests because it's not um religious in the sense that we don't have i said a hundred masses on thanksgiving day (laughs) whereas christmas and easter obviously we have many masses so we had the 9 a.m mass we pushed it back an hour we had 9 a.m mass and then i went over to my folks house my brother his wife were there uh, my sister-in-law's parents um, were in town so it was great but it's it's a great holiday as for priests because um, we get to spend most of the day with family, I got to watch football, uh, which I normally don't do because Sundays are a busy day for me. <laughs> so. I wonder why. What are you doing? That's right. Um,
0: How was yeah. your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good overall. The week I was sick, I got sick at the end of uh, kind of the end of the week or in the weekend, and I thought I was fine, just like a little cold, and then it got me pretty good the day before thanksgiving no um so that's two of the last three thanksgivings i've been sick of uh so i'm really starting to like thanksgiving a lot right um but i felt i was able to sleep it off and uh got in with my parents and sister and brother-in-law uh for thanksgiving dinner and then we played some games watched a movie that night and um helped my dad with some projects the next day so it was pretty good
1: nice that's about what i did too played Uh, some games I helped my dad cut a tree down because he, well, it was a branch in the tree that he did not want to climb the tree. He's afraid of heights. And um, anyways. Is he as tall as you? He is six foot three.
0: Does he live in perpetual fear? And I am six five. He's tall. If he's afraid of heights and that high all the it's time. It's so
1: funny. I hiked, <clears throat> I, I've hiked a couple 14 years with him now. I hiked greys and tories with him or just greys actually, which is to me a walk in the park. No, we did both of them, but Grays is just a walk in the park and we, in my opinion, <laughs> sorry if you found Grace to be challenging, but we get up to the summit and he, um, sits down, we sit down to eat uh, a bite, you know, or we'll pack a pack of lunch and, and, and whatnot. And he's sitting down, but he's just so afraid he's going to fall off the mountain that he's like laying down. I'm like, dad, you're not going to fall off the mountain. Don't worry.
0: You never know. Um, yeah, Grays Grays isn't super steep if I remember.
1: No, and it's a pretty big summit, I yeah. think, is my point. It's not like you're... there's, And it's it's pretty rounded, so there's no cliffs on it. Yeah. But it's still startling.
0: Yeah, you look down. It's a long way down.
1: And by that point, you're probably hallucinating because you're at high altitude and you're not thinking straight. Yes. <laughs> so
0: Altitude sickness is real. Um, we have snow today. We had snow about a week or a little over a week ago. Um, everybody who was from out of town at seminary left and went home when it was snowy and then it immediately got beautiful we had like 50 degree 55 yeah. degree days sunny um i went for walks and runs and uh, went golfing with david hall mm. and then everybody gets back and it snows the first night back and we're back in class with snow on the ground so uh, everybody from phoenix thinks that winter um, is perpetual but we here in denver know uh comes and goes well
1: this is going to be controversial, but I think the Californians need to move back to California and the Arizonans need to move back to Arizona. Colorado is terrible. Don't move here.
0: Oh yeah. Sorry. Colorado. We have had nothing but snow since, uh, March. Uh, I think we get one, one week of non snow in Colorado. Believe it. Um, no, I was golfing with David Hall. Do you remember the, um, Monday Night Football songs back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Are you ready for some football? Football. Yeah, so you mentioned football. Uh, I was heading out to the golf course, and I saw my little like felt cowboy cap and uh, decided I was just going to golf in that because it was fun. And I'm also in the middle of uh, no shave November slash no shave uh, fall semester. (laughs) And so I've got this pretty thick beard, and I put on the uh, cowboy hat and David Hall at one point in the round just starts laughing and pulls out his phone to film me while I'm taking uh, a putt on the like 12th green or something. And he's laughing. I'm like, what's going on? And he just, he looks up and he's like, you look like that country singer can't remember his name from Monday night football. Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Carrie Underwood. Uh, no, the, the male one. So, uh, Dream come true. I looked like a country star, everybody. Nice.
1: Um, what is his name? Do you know?
0: Nope. Didn't even look it up.
1: Well, it's not Carrie Underwood.
0: No. Um, so uh, that's my football <laughs> connection. You were watching football. I was looking like the guy from Monday Night Football.
1: Speaking of football, the other kind of football, USA won today. Yes. Which means yes, we're advancing we to the next round. The
0: 16-team single elimination segment of the that's World right. Cup. So we play Copa the, Mundial.
1: We're the runner-up of Group B, which means we play the first seed of or the winner of Group A, which I can't remember. I didn't check who it was I today. I believe
0: we're playing the Netherlands.
1: Ooh, that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, By this time...
0: Paises Bajos in Espanol. I was listening or watching all the games in Spanish because I only had the Telemundo feed. <laughs> so all week I was just listening to games in Spanish. So I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah, I've been practicing. And I learned that Netherlands in Spanish is Paises Bajos, which is the lands beneath.
1: The lower countries.
0: Netherlands, the lower countries. That's interesting. And I never really, I just thought the Netherlands was kind of a cool name, but it literally is Netherlands, the hmm. lands, low lands.
1: Yeah. Beneath, below. That's Fun interesting.
0: Fact, that's not Catholic stuff you should know. <laughs> There's stuff you that's might want to know.
1: Spanish stuff you should know with Jacob Machado. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I, I put on the um, Iran-US game today, the second half. During lunch at the seminary. So I probably annoyed a few people and made a lot of other people's day. Nice. Uh, we had it muted, but the game was on. Did the so, rector know? Uh, the vice rector found out. Um, <laughs> and the
1: vice rector is Father John Nepple.
0: <laughs> the, the rector was not in. I'm not sure where he's at.
1: He's probably but, in so, Ireland. Um, Father Daniel Leonard.
0: I think I was just bringing a bit of uh, joy to the seminary today. <laughs> Good segue. Segue. Joy. We're going to talk about joy. Why are we talking about joy, Father Sean?
1: Well, there's many reasons why you could talk about joy today. <clears throat> For one, joy, right? Advent is a time of joyful anticipation, which by the way, like you, you said Lent. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a certain like, uh, sure, Advent is a time to kind of reprioritize the Lord, recommit to the Lord. and, and But I struggle to say that it's a penitential season because mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. In a certain sense, like, all year round, we should be doing some type of penance. Yes, in Lent, we, we add to that. But Christmas is really a time of joyful anticipation. Um, so one of the things I preached about recently, it might have even been this morning to our elementary school kids, I said, uh, ask and you shall receive. If you don't have joy right now, ask God for joy. He wants to give it to you. Amen. And uh, you know, uh, one of the the easy kind of meditations can be, is there room in my heart for Jesus to come and dwell this Christmas? I joyfully anticipate him to come to dwell with me, to be with me. Um, So that's one aspect of of why we're talking about joy today.
0: And if you are up to date uh, listening to the podcast and you're listening to this one when it comes out, uh, next Sunday will be... Gaudete Sunday. Now, uh, it's the day that you get to wear rose or pink, depending on who you are and how you want to call it. Um, But what does that word gaudete mean?
1: Why are you quizzing my Latin, Jacob? Because this one's easy. You're right. It means uh, it's the imperative plural form rejoice.
0: Yes, and it comes from the introit or the uh, entrance. Entrance Antiphon at mass on the third Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually, it's cousin or sister uh, celebration is Laudete. Lorette. Lorette? Laudete.
1: No, yep. no, no. It's Gaudete, Gaudete and Lorette. Gaudete.
0: I am making so many mistakes right now. <laughs> no, that's okay. You're not Gaudete, a Latin scholar. Gaudete and <laughs> Lorette. Um, no, it's not Lorette. It's Latere. Latare. <laughs> We're both wrong. Wow. We just lost like all of our, um, you know, theologian (laughs) and really serious catholic (laughs) listeners um it's been a long day father sean we're back so gaudete sunday Sunday is the third sunday of advent and (laughs) letere letare Letare sunday is the third fourth fourth sunday in lent and that's the uh exact middle point of Mm -hmm. lent correct correct and Uh, I did do a little bit of research. I'm going to read this instead of um, messing it up (laughs) like the other things. But um, Advent used to be a 40-day preparation for Christmas. Hmm. Uh, It commenced on November 12th uh, after the Feast of St. Martin. Hmm. So it's sometimes called St. Martin's Lent. Oh, interesting. Um, It was only known uh, within the 5th century because... Uh, as like an Advent fast, because the first time we have, uh, as I said earlier, the Christmas on the 25th is the 4th century. So the the strict 40 days leading up to the kind of strict celebration of Christmas um, was in the 4th, 5th century. Now, this was practiced um, probably earlier. I don't know the details on that. It was then later uh, shortened into the four weeks of Advent um, in the 800s. Uh the first allusion to it we have is actually in a letter of Saint Nicholas the 1st, 858-867. So, um Advent then becomes a little bit shorter. The Gaudete Sunday would have been most likely in the middle of that Saint Martin's Lent, marking the same halfway point as we are turning from kind of the the beginnings of this penitential or fasting season uh to now from here on out we are approaching um we are, we're coming together. We're looking with joyful anticipation uh, either to the birth of Christ or the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ mm-hmm. uh, at Easter. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just giving you some Catholic stuff you might want to know, and hopefully um, you forgive us for, <laughs> or not, you should know. for not knowing our Latin.
1: So uh, Advent is also a Latin word. Yes. Should I test your Latin now?
0: Um, Adventus. Uh, Which means? And it's actually related to the word adventure as well. Um, but it is a coming, adventus is a, a coming or arriving,
1: correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So in the Our Father, right, we say, "Adveniat regnum tuum, thy kingdom come." Right. So we're asking God's kingdom to come. So what's cool is Advent actually also has two parts, kind of like Lent. There's two halves. It's not quite halves in um, in Advent, but the first kind of half. So. The first Sunday of Advent up until December 16th, up until December 17th, uh, really focuses on the second coming of Christ, so the parousia. So the readings really are all about the end times. They're not actually about the incarnation, which is really interesting. Are we prepared for Christ to come a second time? Mm-hmm. Christ will return in glory. And then the second part of Advent, December 17th through the 24th, which is where we get the O Anaphons from. Uh, or at least that's where the O antiphons begin, I should say. Which uh, we, sh- we should probably do a podcast on the O antiphons sometimes.
0: Are the my mom, uh, she. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. You can tell it. So the story anyway. So
1: that part uh, is um, an intentional focus on the first coming of Christ uh, yeah. as we approach the incarnation. So the incarnation, the first coming of Christ. Those are the two parts of, of Advent.
0: Yep. As you can say, the O antiphons are something my mom introduced into Lent. Uh, not last, Advent, <laughs> wow. Uh, into Advent, as uh, we approached, we would read the antiphons uh, mm. with dinner when we'd light the Advent wreath candle. Um, so I really like Gaudete, and um, it's because I like being joyful. I don't like being sad. Uh, and sometimes we get sad, but uh, joy is more, there's an experience of joy, and then there's a state of life. Of joy, mm-hmm. and I think the joy that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, um, the joy we see in the saints, the joy that I think and would claim is contagious when seen in a person uh, is is that type of joy it 's more of a state of being um, than a passing kind of emotion or experience, um, whereas I think we 've all had joyful experiences or seen people you know having a joyful experience. But if they're not necessarily a joyful person, I can say, wow, he's really enjoying um, playing hockey or he's really enjoying uh, the cake they made him for his birthday. That might be a moment of joy that I see in another that I I might be attracted to or want to experience something like it. But I think that's a little different than saying, wow, he's a joyful person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where uh, just experientially the saints are so profound. Um, They speak with joy. And so if we are, um, you know, now this is true, this is Lent Easter, if we're an Easter people, you know, we're joyful in the resurrection, uh, that should shine forth. Uh, And St. Paul, I think interestingly, um, talks in Romans 5, he says, "...rejoice in hope Mm. of the glory of God. Rejoice in sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope." and hope does not put us to shame, or hope does not disappoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is like God's love poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit uh, is how Paul ends that, that God's love in our heart produces hope. Hope produces endurance, um, and then—or sorry, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And then we rejoice in this hope. Mm. And so I think there's a a really strong connection between hope— and joy. Mm. And so it's very fitting that in Advent, we are hoping for the coming of Christ, remembering his first coming, but then also hoping for the second coming, the fullness of salvation, the end time, the new Jerusalem. And in that hope, we're actually able to persevere. Mm. And in that perseverance, we know that we're participating and moving towards uh, Christ's salvation. And that gives you joy and that's the joy that's the fruit of the holy spirit as opposed to um, joy do you remember the uh the philosophical definition of joy i do not (laughs) it's okay i actually wrote this one down so i don't either um but joy uh kind of philosophically is the happiness uh kind of the supreme happiness uh wherein man on the level of his higher faculties so his intellect and his will find his peace and satisfaction in the possession of a known and loved good. So when man knows and loves a good, uh, using his intellect and his will, so it's properly ordered, and then he's able to possess that good, he rests in it with joy. But then there's something of this Holy Spirit coming in that, that brings this whole new level of the joy mm-hmm. of possessing the triune God, uh, resting in God. Right. Right. And this joy becomes so um, experiential that we look at the saints, and even in the midst of their suffering or their darkness, they're joyful. Mm. And so I look at, uh, like, a Mother Teresa, who everybody saw, and, like, she's out and she's smiling and she's joyful, but she's also suffering internally. I look at uh, St. Francis. You know, he's kind of the saint of joy, but he experienced much suffering but he found his suffering in his joy. Um,
1: Yeah, no, that's great. That's a really helpful connection to me for me to hear, um, hope and joy go so closely together. Um, I think you're spot on i just have never made that connection before um because it's not just i mean lent is also a season of hope in the sense like we hope for christ's resurrection we hope for christ but in in advent it's even more of a hopeful season of we hope for for god to come and dwell with us and be with us and be intimately connected to us and of course there's that joyful anticipation for that so i love that connection um Maybe another comment too is, uh, so yeah, your, your definition of happiness, according to philosophy, everything we do in life is because we think this will make me happy. Everything. Exactly. exactly. Even Even atheists, even secular people, it's for the sake of, I think this will make me happy, therefore I do this. Whether it's more money, more pleasure, more power, more glory, more whatever, more toys, right? It's because... I, will, I think this will make me happy, therefore, I make these decisions. However, as you mentioned, Jacob, happiness and joy, though they go together, they're different. Mm. The world uh, strives for happiness, but often, as we know, happiness can come and go. But the Christian joy that you're talking about can stay with us forever, especially in the midst of sufferings and challenges that's where we pray for joy and uh the the of course the examples that come to mind are these stories that we read about of these terrible things of um sufferings of people maybe in um auschwitz or um concentration camps or labor camps in um you know the u s s r in different different places um victor frankel's uh was it man's search for meaning or or yes man's search for meaning, how he finds meaning in in the worst possible circumstances. And sure, he's not Catholic. I believe he's Jewish, right? But he finds happiness and even joy in the midst of the most terrible circumstances. And so, you know, uh, maybe just to, to take it a little bit deeper here, if there's things in your life that are causing you stress, that are causing you anxiety, that maybe even are bringing you a certain sadness, that are causing you to be unhappy, Christ can still come and you can still be joyful in those moments. Rejoice in your sufferings, as St. Paul says. Endure in your sufferings so that God will bring you a deeper sense of joy.
0: Yeah. Um, Paul Pope Paul VI in 1975 wrote an apostolic exhortation, Gaudete in Domino, which is joy in the Lord or mm. rejoice in the Lord. Um, and he made the exact point. He starts with, what he calls the need for joy in all people's hearts, that all men, all women are searching for joy. That moves us, uh, our desire to find the good, know the good, possess the good, and rest in the good. Um, And he even says, you know, uh, before the time of Christ, um, we are able to know of God in, in certain ways, um, we can know God without revelation. We can know God through his creation. There's ways to know God exists um, and and that he's good. But uh, we don't know the triune God. We don't know the fullness. We don't know the persons of the Trinity and, uh, until Jesus comes incarnate. Uh, and then we get the Holy Spirit comes to us as a gift um, through baptism. And then we have the joy of the Spirit within us. Mm so there 's a categorical difference between um, before Christ and after Christ when it comes to joy, but Paul the VI, Paul the VI says every man, every poet uh, every artist um, every every lover every um, you know every person who loves their their family or their country um, who seeks truth and goodness experiences part of this joy, but he makes a, a really Powerful and profound point that whenever we have these experiences in this life, this joy, even when we experience it at at the highest of the joys that we experience in life, it's passing. There's a time that it's there and then it's not. And it's because of the things you named because of war, because of loss, because of death, um, because of hunger, because of and we just look around. I think every single one of us um, struggles and wrestles and it's a good interior uh, wrestling to know that like there's injustice in the world. There's people who are, uh, don't even have basic means. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paul Pope Paul, the six mentions, we need to work, you know, on a first level to assure those means for, for all people. Right. Um, there's kind of a human baseline, uh, that we need. Um, but he never, um, Let's us stop there, and always points to the joy of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the life in Christ. Um, and right. he talks about seeing this joy uh, in God, even in the Old Testament. And he talks about Abraham. Uh, Abraham has joy in the promise. He has joy in the birth of his son. And then he has joy. Um, when he, in the Abraham Isaac story with the sacrifice, mm. uh, to the point of death, and then his hand is stayed, there's a figure, a prefigure of Christ and his salvific work, his death, and his resurrection. So, in this, uh, Paul, Pope Paul VI says that Abraham experienced a joy of the figure of the salvation to come. Um, and so, there's even in that, there's a, a joy in knowing and participating in what God is doing. And then, in the hard times, there's even still joy found in the exile of Israel. And we some of the most joyful psalms mm-hmm. uh, start as lament, but then turn to God has promised... And we still find our joy in that promise, waiting and hoping. Again, the hope and joy go together. Mm. And so, some of our songs of praise and some of our songs of joy are through or on the other side of or in the midst of great uh, suffering of the Israel uh, of the Israelites in the exile. Mm. But then we have the New Testament, and this is where we start seeing uh, joy kind of par excellence, because Christ has come, and we see it from the very first chapters of the gospel and we pray it with what we call the joyful mysteries Mm -hmm. right and the joyful mysteries are the annunciation the visitation the nativity of our lord the presentation of jesus in the temple and the finding of jesus in the temple those two can be confusing sometimes at the end but the annunciation uh, the angel comes to mary and greets her full of grace tells her of the joy of the savior to come And then what does Mary do? She goes to visit Elizabeth, who she knows uh, is also with child, whose Mm -hmm. son is John the Baptist. And what happens when Mary approaches?
1: He leaps in the womb.
0: Leaps with joy. Joy. John the Baptist sees Christ coming in the womb and leaps with joy. Mm -hmm. And then Mary in her Magnificat says, uh, rejoice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I rejoice in, do you remember? um, I rejoice in the Lord... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm blanking. This one. When
1: we could say it all the way through, and then I know exactly where you are.
0: Um, uh, 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 my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There it is. Yeah. Um, after her soul magnifies the Lord, so there's this experience, great experience of joy and rejoicing. Um, then we've got the Nativity, which is the birth of Jesus at Christmas, and we hear the proclamation of the angels to the shepherds: "Rejoice, rejoice! For the Savior has been born." Hmm. Um, and then we have the presentation in the temple, and we see the joy of Simeon, who's waited the prophecy, who has suffered, who has been told uh, that he will see the fulfillment, and he's he's rejoicing now in the possession of the promise that he was made or that was made to him. And then the finding of Jesus in the temple is the joy of Mary and Joseph finding Jesus after thinking he had been lost, mm. but the joy of finding him as well as tied in with this proclamation of uh, Jesus being in his father's house Mm. Um, and and kind of a proclamation of the word beginning. Um, And I think, so we see kind of pre-Christian, Old Testament, through Israel, uh, there's there's whisperings of joy and there's promise and there's hope, uh, but then the fulfillment of it. And that's what we enter into as Christian people. So I'm going to throw it over to you. That's the information I that was had to a lot. spit out.
1: That was very good. So. I did not think you were going to go into the mysteries of the rosary, uh, but that was beautiful. I think you're right. They're called the joyful mysteries of the rosary for a reason. Um, <clears throat> joy is so important. We're in a preaching series right now in the Archdiocese of Denver. The Archbishop, um, last Advent as well as this Advent, has uh, asked that all priests preach a preaching series. And what I love about it, is the way that we've presented it is uh, the Archdiocese is going to go on retreat this, this Advent. And uh, anyways, the, the preaching series right now has all to do with this Eucharistic revival that we're currently in and, and the Eucharist as a sacrament of charity. Uh, so then the question becomes, what is charity? Anyways, uh, next weekend, actually, Gaudete Sunday, um, so when this comes out, the topic is, what are the fruits of charity? Peace and joy being two of those fruits. When we love, uh, and charity specifically is, is a friendship that I have with God. If I love God above all things, if I'm his friend, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. When we're friends with God, there's a joy that results from it. There's a peace that comes from it. Um, and to piggyback off of what you were saying earlier, and what we kind of mentioned already, Jake, is um, circumstances don't dictate our happiness. And oftentimes we think we they do. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? If if this happens, if I had this cool gadget, if I had that nice car, then I would be happy. I would even
0: say it's not because sometimes we can tie into like kind of a consumeristic mentality of this, um, and that's true. Like if I'm putting my my trust and joy coming from uh, the consuming this or having this, um, I, it's not going to satisfy. It's not. But I think a trap many of us fall into even if that's not really on our horizon is if i could do more for the church mm. if i could if if my homily would reach more people uh if i um if i could convert more people at my workplace i don't know what it is there's a sense of like once i've done more for god then i'll have more joy mm. and it's not it, it's not that way yeah, or magic. if I
1: just prayed more. If I prayed yeah. a holy hour every day, then then I would be okay.
0: And it's not saying like these things aren't good and aren't admirable and to pursue, but that's not where perfect joy is found. Mm. Um, I just want to throw that in there. No, that's
1: good. I think I think you're right, and it, it's almost like we begin to treat prayer and religion like a magic potion, uh, which is a sin against the first commandment, right? Uh, we treat religion as if, if I just get this right, then God will reward me. And that's not it at all. Uh, there's still going to be sufferings. God says, uh, if you love me, if you follow me, if you keep my commands, I will bless you. But blessing is not necessarily what we think it is. Right. And what does Jesus say? Are, who are the blessed? Right. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are hunger. And what's another word that's
0: often translated? Happy.
1: Mhm. Mercarios. Yeah.
0: Happy are the poor. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those Right. Uh, these are the beatitudes. The, the beatitudes. happiness that God promises is so so different and yet so much more lasting. Mm. And and it becomes you become that. Happy they are as if that's their identity now. Their identity is happiness, blessedness. Right. Not you'll be happy for a moment because, mm. you know,
1: right. The fleeting happiness that we experience. Right. So, so <clears throat> to really pinpoint that, right. Uh, circumstances don't dictate happiness. You can be happy, but more specifically joyful in any type of circumstance, as long as your heart is more free to love God. Do you joyfully anticipate God dwelling deeper in your heart? You could be in, um, Denver, Colorado. You could be in somewhere in the U.S. You could also be anywhere in the world, or you could be in prison behind bars, and yet you can still find joy because is your heart more free to love God above all things? When you have that charity, the friendship with God, that's precisely where uh, joy will will radiate from because joy is a fruit of charity.
0: Have you heard the story of St. Francis with Brother Leo on a cold winter's day, uh, talking about what is perfect joy. I have not. It's fitting because it's cold. Enlighten us. It's a cold and winter's day. Um, so this is a story of St. Francis. Uh, it comes after his life. Um, it's We're not sure if this is really biographical or not, but it, it encompasses his spirituality around joy. Um, the Franciscans have held this as a story, whether it's... Um, a story, legend of Francis, or it really happened uh, in some way, we don't know. But it's it's a really beautiful description of how Saint Francis um, saw and experienced joy in his own life. And he's walking, and Brother Leo asks him, you know, what is what is perfect joy? And then Saint Francis, you know, responds, "If God desired that the friars minor, so the Franciscans, should serve as a great example of holiness to all people in all lands." write down that this would not be perfect joy. And then he goes on and says, if the friar's minor could make the lame walk, if he could straighten the crooked, if we could chase away demons, if we could give sight to the blind and speech to the dumb, and even if we could raise the dead after four days, please write down and note carefully, this would not be perfect joy. And he goes on and he says uh, things such as, if we knew all the sciences, if we knew everything that could be known, um, this still wouldn't be perfect joy. And so finally, they're like, well, Brother Leo's like, what is perfect joy? And Francis' response is that if we were to arrive at the town and to be put away by the gatekeeper and to be scorned and told off as beggars or thieves uh, to just cast us off, that we wouldn't be recognized. And if we would receive this, believing that the gatemen actually knew who we were and had been told by God to cast us aside so that we may participate in Christ's saving mysteries being cast out, this would be perfect joy. To receive in providence what God has given us to participate in his work and his life. And it's, it's tough because you're like, wow, well, that sounds like God's cruel if he would have him do this. But what St. Francis is saying here is, I have perfect joy— when I receive whatever comes as if it is ordained by God for my salvation and the salvation of many. Hmm. And so St. Francis who gave everything up, who in radical poverty received God now has joy in his life because he's gone to the source, the indwelling of charity, God in his life. He has joy in him. And so that's what I was saying with all of the, the reaching for these things. If I, if I could you know, have my sixth master's degree, if I could you know, have a thriving ministry, if I could—those are good, but they're not perfect joy. Perfect joy is a perfect unification of your will to the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. And this is even what uh, we see in John 15. And so Francis here is imitating Christ, and so it sounds kind of like harsh. Oh, what would you, you know, God has them cast out. Well, Jesus is the one who was cast out. He is the cornerstone that was cast out that became, or the, the stone that was cast out that became the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Um, he is suffering in the will of the Father because he said, not let this pass, or let this pass unless it be your will. Um, and, but if it's your will, I will follow. And in John 15, what is the entire prayer? I've, I've sh- revealed to you, I've called you friends Uh, Because I have told you what I'm doing, what the Father is doing. I tell you what I see the Father doing. I have only done what I've seen the Father doing. We want this unity. He prays for the unity uh, for all the Christians, for all his disciples, for the world, uh, the unity that the Father has with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And in that unity, in that oneness of the will of God, there's joy. There's joy. And he says that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Mm -hmm. So in John 15, we see the unity of God. We see the unity of the Son's mission out to save us so that we may become one and enter into that unity so that our joy may be in him, that our joy may be complete. Um, I think that's what Francis is saying when he's saying, my will, I will receive uh, whatever the Father has for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just as Jesus said, I will Receive whatever the Father has for me.
1: Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Joy, <clears throat> then as my con- uh, conforming of my will to the Lord's will. The more that I conform my will to God's will for me in my life, the more joy that I will have because that's that I'm following God's will.
0: And this sounds really theoretical, and it kind of is because it's hard. Like I'm not it's very doing, hard. I'm yeah. not doing it. I'm struggling to voice it. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of talking around it, and I'm so bad at it. You know, my, my pride gets in the way, my ego gets in the way. I say uh, Lent when I mean Advent, and my immediate response is, we got to start the podcast again because I, my pride is in the way, right? Um, and I, I want to present as perfect. I want to control everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not really this giving over my will to the Father. Yeah,
1: the surrender, the fiat, right? We surrender to the Lord. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great, Jacob. Circumstances, joy, hope that was my favorite connection that you made hope and joy. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's in Paul everywhere. Endurance, endurance through suffering. Um, again, with the circumstances, uh, endurance through suffering, um, produces hope. And in hope, uh, we have faith and faith and we have joy. Mm. Um, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, uh, and of things unseen. Um, That's not the exact (laughs) exact way it's quoted, but that's, um, and, and I see that for myself, to be honest, I, my life is not as hard as many, many who are probably even listening to this podcast. Um, and so I feel a little bit cheap to say like, oh, I've got to endure things. You know, I've Mm got to endure sufferings, whatever they may be, but all of us do have sufferings and things to endure. Um, be them in our work, be them in our family, be them in our living situation, Um, and to to endure those without a spirit of complaint, uh, but instead to have a spirit of gratitude and to gaude, (laughs) gaude, to rejoice. That's right. To rejoice.
1: Amen. Yeah. So, encouragements, brothers and sisters, to to really dive deep into Advent. Um, You're more than halfway through now, so more so dive deep into uh, preparing your hearts to receive Christ at Christmas. Joyfully anticipate his coming beg God for joy, ask God for joy, never fall into uh, despair, keep hoping. If you don't have joy right now, keep hoping, keep asking the Lord for it. It'll come.
0: Yeah. And, and persevere, persevere in that. Um, cause that, that is a suffering, right? And so persevere in the hope, uh, that the Lord is there, uh, and is walking with you. Um, and we'll pray for you and pray for us. I have a question. Go for it.
1: So you talked about Latare Sunday, yes, and Gaudete Sunday, yes, and the priest wears what color vestments? Rose. Why?
0: I honestly don't know. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Throw this that went back to the priest.
1: Yeah, this is the only explanation I've heard. I don't know why either. This is the explanation I heard. I think it makes the most sense uh, because rose or pink is the blend between purple and white. Hmm. So Gaudete, purple being the season of Advent. It glimpses to the white, which is what we wear, of course, at Easter and at Christmas. White being pure, white being joyful, white being, um, yeah, I I don't know, festive. That's the word I'm looking for, festive. Uh, Pink or rose, the blend between purple and white, gives us that glimpse of what's to come, but we're not there yet.
0: I like that. I don't know. I haven't heard it. That's the first I've heard, so I'm going to go with that until proven otherwise.
1: The other time that I've seen rose vestments worn, because they're only worn two days of of the year. So a lot of parishes don't have a rose vestment because of that. Um, It's technically not a liturgical color. It's the mix between Hmm. two of the liturgical colors. The only other place I've been to where rose was worn, I think you were there too. Do you remember this?
0: Lima, St. Rose of Lima, the chapel uh, in her childhood home. And because she is the Rose of Lima, uh, you can wear the rose-colored vestments whenever you celebrate Mass in that chapel.
1: That's right. So we have a picture of Father Geronimo and Father Jason wearing that.
0: I don't know how we got that, because Father Geronimo is the one who took all the photos.
1: That's a good yeah. point. He must have given <laughs> his phone to somebody. That guy loves taking photos. <laughs>
0: um, yes. So Joy, I'm joyful to be doing this podcast with you. Uh, I'm joyful that we are halfway through Advent, uh, I am joyful for many things. So.
1: You're joyful for finals to be done, aren't you?
0: I am joyful for to, to be on the other side of finals, yes. I yeah. will I, I will persevere through finals. Enjoy. Amen. Shout outs, any? Yes. Da, da, da.
1: Several. <laughs> <laughs> you going first or oh, nope, I going first? I'm waiting for you. All right, I just got to flip my page here cuz I wrote them down somewhere. Uh shout out to the whole diocese of KCK. Can I do that?
0: Sure, why not. There's Kansas no City,
1: Kansas. Uh, particularly to two people one to Father Thomas Maddock classmate of mine thanks for listening thanks for your phone call the other day you're a great chaplain keep up the good work and then to a seminarian who wrote me Joey Punswick. thanks for your letter uh, I finally wrote you back I hope by the time this co- uh, podcast gets released that you have received my letter so thank you
0: wonderful I want to shout out every music director at every parish who actually plays O Come O Come Emmanuel at their parish I have been at some parishes where uh, they don't play that song because it's, quote, overplayed. And I'm like, yeah, we get to sing it for four weeks a year. Let's sing it because it's <laughs> the best song. It's the absolute best song, and I love it. So shout out to every music uh, director or minister who um, actually plays O kuma manuel during Advent. So Amen. My, that's my first one because I love it.
1: Wait, it's you just, have more than one shout out?
0: Yeah, and then I want to shout out the Pouliot <laughs> family up in northern Colorado uh, the the great northern kingdom the Pouliots welcomed a few of us for dinner a couple weeks ago and they're a great family up north Um, thank you for your hospitality Uh, another some listeners so they were wildly disappointed to meet the real me as opposed (laughs) to the vocal me Um, but thank you for letting me still have dinner with you guys and uh, raising a a beautiful family Amen. do you know the uh, email by heart now
1: I do, but I have one last comment. Oh. Can I make one last comment? Why not?
0: Why not? <laughs> Sorry. Again, there's no rules. This is there's so no important. <laughs> and we should
1: have said this at the beginning, but here's the thing. You were talking about o come, o Emanuel come, and how it's uh, quote unquote overplayed or whatever. I want to challenge all you listeners out there in listener land. Don't celebrate Christmas before it's Christmas. There's four weeks of Advent. Don't put your Christmas tree up until maybe December 17th. Or decorate. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this because there's Probably. there's different feel, feelings out there about this, but let Christmas be Christmas. There's a there's Christmas a, season.
0: There's a lot of good Advent music, let me tell you.
1: There's a lot of good Advent music. Listen to Advent music and Advent. When Christmas comes, go all out. Be joyful. Uh, decorate really profoundly. You know, do the step up for Christmas.
0: Yeah, I particularly like uh, Gabriel's Message by Sting on his album if on a winter's night Intriguing. Uh, that one it's it's a that it's basically his version of a, a Advent hymn that we have in our bravery. Um so support looks listen to that one <laughs> will come on come Emmanuel. Uh, email in your favorite Advent songs let us know. Um, Catholic stuff
1: podcast at gmail.com
0: God bless you guys uh, be joyful. take care. God bless